we're going to be looking at parables about lost. So you found Luke, go to chapter 7, excuse me, chapter 15, verses 1 through 7. We're going to look at the lost sheep parable and to see what the Lord might be able to show us through that teaching today. Uh, I know you've been seated, but would you stand with me as we read this together? Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. Very interesting wording here. Just pay attention to the people involved around the story of Jesus. Tax collectors, sinners, were drew near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and he eats with them. So he spoke this parable to those, to the scribes and the Pharisees, saying to them, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and goes after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays on it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be many, be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just or righteous persons who need no repentance. There's a lot of insight here about the heart of Jesus, and we're going to look at it together. Lord, would you please take this story that you told many years ago, speak it again, Lord, through me or through thoughts that we might be transformed by the renewing of our mind and our heart would begin to beat in in a rhythm with your heart and we would have your vision and your passion as well and we pray this in Jesus name amen two or three things I want us to look at the first thing I want us to see is the attraction of Jesus the attraction of Jesus that's in the first two verses there let's identify some of these characters the tax collectors were Jews That worked for the Romans. And they did a job which is very displeasing because nobody likes to pay taxes. Especially exorbitant tax. And to know that the tax collector is not only getting the Roman tax from you. He's adding on top of that tax to take from you to put in his own pocket. So the tax collector to the Jews was a a person of disdain. They just could not stand those, those people that had that job. And then it says the next group was sinners. <clears throat> the sinners were, at that time, anyone that was publicly known for sin. Thievery, prostitution, any kind of thing or sin you could name, they would do it openly and there was no, there was no concern about it. But it would also mean those who had no interest in things of God. They were caught up in the things of their life and they really didn't care much about issues with God. So those two categories, tax collectors and sinners, are interesting to pay attention to. Notice, uh, if you know about the Jewish community, if you were identified as a sinner and you were of the righteous group, you would avoid that person that was identified as a sinner. If they were walking on this side of the street you would cross over and walk on the other side of the street in order to not have to get 
in contact with the sinner. And so there was a rejection by the religious against those that were identified as sinners, if you would. But if you notice the first words in, the, in verse 1, they drew near to Jesus. This group that would be rejected by the religious were actually drawn to him. And they would see him and they would want to be around him and they would want to hear what he has to say. And I find that very interesting that the religion of the time was separated from the people and rejected people who were not living up to their standards and yet the Lord drew them to him and he went to where they were. And because you'll see in a moment that he, they, they accused him of eating, can you believe it, eating with sinners. They said that's just beyond imagination. You don't do that kind of thing. But these folks, those that were known as sinners of the day, were attracted to him. Well, I don't know what that does to you. Convicting to me. This just convicts the fire out of me. Should, should people of this day be attracted to us? Because of the Jesus in us? I think so. I think you should be not surprised when people are drawn up close to you. You get in a room and you find that folks want to be with you. And if you're not careful, we begin to think that that's how cool am I. But what they're attracted to is the Jesus in us. Because that is in us, the presence is in us. And it will draw people to you Actually, to him that lives in you. Yes, I know there will be some that will reject the Jesus in you, like the lady at the front of the, of the grocery store. <clears throat> That's fine. It's not, it's not much of an issue at all. But ju religion judges people as less than acceptable. Hear that. Religion judges people as less than acceptable. Here's what the Pharisees, it says, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. Said that as an accusation, as a negative. When Jesus was basically saying the different, I, he just loved people. Did you get it? You know why they came to him? He loved them. He saw their deep need and he met their deep need. And what is our deep need? It's not hard. You know what it is? love we just want to be loved and that's what he because he, he is love so he was really good at it since he is love but we have that same spirit within us now look at the pharisees and the and the teachers of the law in the scripture the next two categories of people the pharisees they're interesting guys very spiritual very uh powerful in the community they to give them a little bit of room although their belief was wrong, they believed this, that as if we could get, let's say this was our community. I don't want to use me as the Pharisee, so I'll be, let me pick on Pat. Let's say Pat's the Pharisee. And he was in the room, and he's, his thought was, if I can get everybody in this room at the same time, on the same day, to not break any law, then the kingdom of God would come at that moment. They were trying to get people to act good so that the kingdom of God would come immediately upon the earth. Now their thought was the kingdom of God's going to come and overthrow Rome and raise up Israel 
raise up the, the Jewish nation as predominant. That was their thought of the kingdom. So they were working hard to try to get everybody to be perfect. So they were the moral police. So they oversaw the law, the Torah. They made sure that they were teaching it correctly. And they were the ones in the Sanhedrin who would make judgments against people when they broke the law, when they broke the law of God. So the Lord, uh, these are the ones that really didn't like Jesus. And then it says the teachers of the law, these are scribes. These are the experts in the Torah or the Mosaic law and the traditions written by men, uh, by, the, by the priests of that, of that religion. And so they were, they were making up this religious group. They would gather students, they'd teach them, and they, had, they were the ones also that administered the law as well. They didn't like the Lord. They wanted to keep things going toward what they believed as most important. They wanted to keep people trying to get them to be perfect to live up to the laws and the traditions. And then, but then the Lord, when he came into an environment, he called their authority into question. Boy, they didn't like it. They would bristle up. He questioned even their moral uh, ability to, to pursue what they were doing. He questioned their motives. And it was not, it was inevitable. There was going to be a clash between these religious folks and Jesus. That left me with a question. What is necessary for me, for our church family, to be more like Jesus and less like the Pharisees? What, was, what would be required in me? What changes would have to happen in me if I were to want to be identified more as the nature and the character of Jesus rather than the religious group. Some of the larger southern churches back in the 80s, I would hear this story, that if you came to church in one of the services, and gentlemen, you didn't have on a suit and a tie, you could not enter the worship service. They had coat and tie rooms in the back, and you'd have to go put on a coat and a tie in order to be allowed to come into the worship service. Coat and tie, that's a negative right off the bat, isn't it? So that'd be tough. But to know that there is that rejection, that standard put in place, or just putting roadblocks, stepping stones to keep people away from the Lord, from hearing the things of the Lord, comes back to that religion in my mind. So how do I as a person that's convicted by this teaching, make a change? Well, first thing is just simple, I think. S focus on loving people. Sounds pretty simple. Focus on loving people. Now, interesting. Who are we prone to love? Be honest. Who are we prone to love? We love our family. Or most of them. <laughs> There's always that weird one, you know. We're prone to love our church, except for a few. Uh, we love, we're prone to love our team, and we don't like the other team. But we're prone to like the team. Whatever team we're on, we like that team. Or we love that team. 
So listen to this. Our human nature, catch this picture, our human nature pulls us toward judgment and rejection. Human nature pulls you into a position of the religious uh, Pharisees and the scribes. Our human nature pulls us in that direction. But the Spirit of God within us pulls us the opposite way from that. To lay that down and to love people where they are and realize this, okay? It's hard for me to get in my head. It's not from my job at all to judge a person in any situation. It's not my job. You know what else? It's not my job to change the person in any situation. You hear that? that that'll take away some of our judgment when you know it's not your job. You don't have to fix people. Good news, you can't fix people. You know that because you can't even fix you. I can't fix me, right? So what do we do? Love them right where they are. Let the love of Christ flow for you, from you to them. And we will trust that the Spirit of God will draw that person to know the source of your love. The source of your love is Jesus. So that's the attraction of Jesus. What is it? Love people. Let's look at the drive. What drove Jesus in this story that we're looking at? Why is he so driven to go after one and leave 90 and 9? Verses 3 and 5, 3 through 5. It says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country or a safe place and go after lost sheep until he finds it? What's the motivation? He, my wife, has the character of Jesus in a very big way. She hates to lose something. I mean, hate, I mean it's like tear the house down till I find it kind of a thing. But that's, what, that's the nature of Jesus. He left 99 out in, a, in the field in a safe place, and then he would go, and it says he went until he found it. Do you hear that? He didn't go out for 10 minutes and then give up. He went until he found the, the lamb that was lost. <clears throat> what is the motivation? What is our motivation? What keeps us from having that drive? I had to ask myself my, this question. Could be that we believe we have a lack of gospel knowledge. In other words, we're afraid to step out in any form or fashion because we're afraid we don't know what to say. We don't know what to do. The, the challenge is if you've been a Christian, let's say a year, you've probably heard the gospel 40 times by now from preaching because you can't get away from the good news of Christ of what he's done for us, so you've heard it a bunch. But think if you've been here 40 years, how many times have we heard the gospel? And yet we feel inadequate to share it. It's not that hard, especially with this card situation. We're sharing it, a place for them to get information. They're going to remember a smiling, loving person who reached out enough or to invite them to be a part of your church home. I think it's good. And if you've never known, it's not hard to share your gospel. I'm going to tell it real quickly. Three things. Tell them within 30 seconds to a minute what your life was like before you met Jesus. Just go back and think, what was my life like? And tell them the summary. Don't give them the full-blown movie version. Give them just the very short. Here's where I came from. Then tell them what changed that brought you to know about the Lord. 
Well, somebody handed me a weird card from Hamlin. And I started reading the, the I, I went to the site and I began to find out answers, biblical answers to life questions. And I gave my life to the Lord. And then third, you can say, and this can happen for you. Because this is what has changed in my life. Three things. It's three simple things that we can begin to share our faith with the people around us. Some, they feel like we have a lack of knowledge. Some of us are just, we don't care. Apathy. Now, we'd never say that out loud, that we don't care. But if we look at what we do with our life, the decisions of our life, we don't really put any energy to praying for the lost or inviting the lost to our homes or inviting people to come to the church. We don't put much energy there. And what it simply, the honest truth is it's an apathy. I don't really care enough to do that. Others of us are just stopped by fear. Just scares me to death, the thought of talking to somebody about the Lord. And that may be one of the larger ones, just we're afraid to do that. Um, we think, what is others going to think of me? What if my neighbor uh, won't talk to me anymore. What if I can't go to that, my kids go to that birthday party anymore? You will begin to what if, what if, because we're afraid. I will tell you that the majority of people like we saw in that video are looking and they're wanting some answers. You know the number one reason why lost people don't go to church? They said, I've never been asked. That's the number one reason. I've never been invited. We've looked at the attraction of Jesus. What is his attraction? He loves people. We've looked at the drive of Jesus. Do you know what it is? He's going to go after the one that's away. He is driven to go after the one that is away. Now, this last one, let's look at the celebration of Jesus. Verses 6 and 7. Look what Jesus does in this story as he tells the story. And when he finds it, that's the lost sheep, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home. Then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that, and Jesus was telling the Pharisees here, I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than the 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Notice what he did. I, I saw the picture. When he found the, finds the lamb, he says he puts it up on his shoulders and carries it to his home. I think that's an awesome picture. If you have that opportunity to share your faith with somebody to the point where they say, I want that same thing, and you pray together, then we, as the representative of the shepherd, you don't have to put them up on your shoulders and carry them home. But it's the, it's the care at that point. You care enough, you walk with them, you carry them. Where, did he, where was the Lord taking in this story? Where was he taking the lost sheep? Back to the fold. Carry them with you back into the fold, the, the house of God, the people of God. Carry them with you. Take the responsibility to get them, invite them, go get them, bring them, buy them lunch. Sit with them, introduce them to people. Even if you have to leave one of your small groups for a period of time, Go with them to a group that best fits them and just lovingly, if you're mad or what, it's dead, it's sleepy, and it's irrelevant. It is not the Spirit of God. A church that is 
has the understanding of the drive and the attraction of Jesus, if you have all that, will also be connected to the celebration of Jesus. He calls people to celebrate that one was lost is now found. The church should be literally like a party when we gather. We should be a grieving when we've not brought somebody in. We should be grieving as a church when we're not seeing people come and give their life to the Lord. That's when we should be grieving. But when we are doing that, we're bringing our friends and our loved ones with us. They hear about Jesus. They experience the love of God. They hear the truth of the Scripture because it's the Word and the Spirit that changes people. Not me, not you. But when they hear the truth through the power of the Spirit by a messenger that loves them, Lives are changed. Hey, that should take some pressure off your shoulders. We don't have to fix people. We don't have to dress them up. We don't even have a coat room in the back to put pee on people. Now, Vicki makes me wear a coat because that, you know, she's mean like that. But, just kidding, she's a sweetie. There's a celebration. You know why? There's a real joy knowing that one was lost. And is now found. And on the day of their death, you'll be saying, thank you, Lord. And you never know who that is. Vicki and I took a kid on a mission trip to Montana way back in the day. A rough kid. A kid you just really didn't want to have around. Didn't really like him too much. Let alone love him. We took him to Montana. And Mon- we are at an Indian reservation. Blackfoot Indian Reservation in Montana. And while he was there, the Spirit of the Lord got a hold of him. He heard the message of the gospel and got saved. It's awesome. See a youth group begin to accept a kid they didn't really like and their leaders. And then it was not like a year or two after that, that young man was killed. You just don't know. We're talking a teenager. But I'm telling you, when I was at that funeral... The joy of knowing, thank you, Jesus, that one was lost has now been found and truly home. What a joy it is to be a part of it. If you find yourself like me, I am honestly convicted by what this, this teaching of Jesus. It convicts me, probably more than you. You know why? I'm a preacher. Guess whom I'm around all the time? Believers. What am I doing? Planning church stuff all the time. Organizing Christian things all the time. So this is stepping on my toes probably more than you. But I want to see some things changing in me and in you. So the first thing I want you to do as we get ready to leave today is pick up, those of you who will, pick up this five pack of cards this week and say this one phrase. It's simple, it's uh, I wanted to invite you to my church and also on the back there's a website that's going to answer many questions that you might have. It's not a hard thing. And just say, it's great to meet you. I hope to see you soon. And you're on. That's as easy of an intro as there possibly can be. If you'll join me and I'm going to do it, you can hold me accountable between now and next week. I'm going to try to get five of them away. But I'm going to ask many of you to do that with me. And as you leave today, some of the guys will be at the back door and you can pick, the, pick one of those up, if you will. Vicki, could you guys come on up? 
as you get them, say, Lord, would you get up of a morning and say, Lord, guide me to somebody today, would you? Just guide me. Kind of tap me on the shoulder. And I'll pull that card out of my pocket and I'll just give it to them. Hey, I'd love to invite you to my church. I'm at Hamlin, just, just uh, on 13, just north of Lowe's. Would love to have you. Hey, and by the way, on the back, our church has provided for you free a website that's going to answer about any question you have about life and issues. Check it out. would love to have you come and visit. I challenge you to do that. Instead of walking out of here feeling guilty that we're not evangelists on a daily basis, let's just take a step of action toward it. Do you understand? I'm not here. I don't want to have you beaten down, but I want to give you a simple way we can start reaching out to the folks around our life. Today, I've not really challenged you on your spiritual condition. I've not challenged uh, uh, anything other than to have the attraction of the Lord in us, the drive of the Lord in us, and then this method of taking the message out this week. But that doesn't mean you came and everything was right and you wanted to have some help today. You may have wanted to have some people say, would you pray with me about this? My son or my daughter's out in a mess. My health is messed up. I have questions spiritually. I don't fit in anywhere. You may be here. You may be here on that day, that person that comes, and this was your last opportunity before you were considering ending it. You were giving it one more Sunday, and the preacher mentioned it, and I did because I mentioned it for you. Because I'm telling you, there's hope in Jesus. This world will suck it out of you. The Lord will put it back into you. And we'd love to pray with you about it. So we're just going to give an opportunity for ministry to one another. And if you have a question, come down here. We'll, we'll have folks that will be here and meet you and pray with you. Can we stand?